Hello again, we're just about ready to hit the track, so please make sure your safety belts are securely fastened, as they always should be in your vehicle. Test sequence is downloading, and we're clear for dispatch. Okay, let's move them ahead for test one. Look at this stuff, isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Please remain behind the yellow stripes until your test vehicle comes to a complete stop. Watch your step as you enter the vehicle. It is with deepest pride and greatest pleasure that we welcome you tonight. And now, we invite you to relax, let us pull up a chair, as the dining room proudly presents... W, w Radio. Your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 304 for the week of December 9th, 2012. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcasts, events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, audio guides, and more. You can find it all over at www.radio.com. This week marked the grand opening of many new, eagerly anticipated experiences at Walt Disney World, including New Fantasyland in the Magic Kingdom, a refreshed test track at Epcot, the legend of Captain Jack Sparrow at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and Splitsville in downtown Disney. Guests were welcomed in in true Disney style with a flying dragon over Fantasyland and a three-day event showcasing not just what's new, but what's coming next, including Disney's limited-time Magic in 2013 and James Cameron's Avatar Land. We'll take a close look at each of these new elements and offer not just our reviews, but what these expansions and experiences represent in terms of steps forward in guest experiences, technological advances, levels of interactivity and fun, and what it means to us as Walt Disney World enthusiasts, both now and in the future. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. I'll then have some announcements at the end of the show, including more information about upcoming events. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. After more than three years of anticipation and many more of planning and development, New Fantasyland officially opened on December 6th as part of a celebration that also included the debut of a refreshed test track at Epcot, a Captain Jack Sparrow attraction at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and reveal of a new entertainment venue for the entire family, Splitsville, in downtown Disney. And I was thrilled to be invited by Disney to be part of these opening events and I want to bring you our review and take a look at some of and all of these new experiences. I was joined by many friends on that three-day uh, event at Walt Disney World, one of whom is Glenn Whalen, who's here with me to help me recap. Glenn, welcome back. Lou, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, man. We had three days of, of fun. Food. Festi- right, Food. that's where I was getting to. 
Uh, Disney certainly knows how to throw a party. And, you know, when we start thinking about things like New Fantasyland and Splitsville, our first thought goes right to food. But obviously there's a lot more to it than that. (laughs) Yeah, there certainly is. There was a, a lot of activity, a lot of fun. And a lot of really, really good food. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we'll get to that. But I want to sort of sort of really take kind of a, a top-down view. And let's sort of start off at New Fantasyland because we all know it's it's the largest expansion right. in Magic Kingdom history. It doubles the size of Fantasyland. But I think there is so much more than the, the bringing together of the new attractions like Enchanted Tales with Belle and uh, Little Mermaid and Be Our Guest Restaurant. Because I think, especially for us who are locals, when we think about something like that, we are um, we're looking at more than just the individual things on a park map. Right. And for me, especially, uh, and I really tried to stay away from New Fantasyland until it was officially opened. Right. We'll talk about Storybook Circus separately, which is part of that expansion. But I like to wait until something officially opens. Right. Because when things are in their um, their test and adjust phase or their dress rehearsal phase, we understand that they are still putting elements together. So when I first walked into that official opening of New Fantasyland and and was looking around at all the different elements, I, I really felt that it was what I think what Disney hoped it would be, which is a breathtaking experience. Oh, it certainly was. And I, I agree with you by by waiting, you got to experience it the way it was to- totally intended to, at least at that moment. Well, there was one moment when we were standing right at a point in front of what is now Gaston's Tavern, where I looked around and thought it was possibly the best view in all of the Magic Kingdom, because I turned towards Cinderella Castle, and we had a beautiful view of Cinderella Castle. Up to my right was, was uh, the Beast Castle, and if I turned to my left, we had Eric's Castle, and it was just as beautiful venue and it was it was at nighttime and we had the lights on it was such a great experience i was like wow here's something i did not know i was going to be seeing tonight i knew i was going to see the little mermaid i knew i was going to see gaston's tavern i did not know some of the vistas that we were going to be able to see when we were inside and i think that's what one of the things that i was really getting excited about as i saw a new fantasy land coming together over the past few years was that it wasn't just doubling in size it wasn't just doubling horizontally, right? Because right. basically Fantasyland was a midway before. Mm-hmm. It was a straight shot from the Skyway Terminal all the way down to the Mad Tea Party. So it expanded horizontally in terms of square footage, but it also expanded vertically. And I was very excited about, and I'm still continually blown away by, the mountain range. And mm. you you double the size of the area. You triple the number of castles that are in there with uh, Beast Castle and Prince Eric's Castle. But for me, one of the things, and I think, the number one thing that really impresses me about New Fantasyland is the space, is the environment. Because when you walk through that newly created portal, right? When you walk through that um, extension of the castle walls and you leave the castle keep and enter this enchanted forest, you really do sort of feel that transformation take place. And you see it and you feel it and you hear it all around you from the pavement, to the rock work, to the trees. You know, there are trees that exist by Be Our Guest Restaurant that do not belong in Florida, mm. right? So you you have this very sort of, and we keep hearing this word about immersive experience, but right. I think that's really what, like Cars Land in California, New Fantasyland does very, very well. Right, I, I, I totally agree. The 
Magic Kingdom was built in a hub and spoke system, and and we have Cinderella Castle right in the middle. This expansion actually creates its own little hub and spoke because that the mountain range becomes the hub for Fantasyland. So it's almost like we have a a whole new route. Instead of having just one circle around the kingdom, we now have a big ear, like maybe a mouse ear, around one side of it. So <laughs> uh, very, very cool. And you know, I think of it as very immersive, as obviously a very good word. Uh, but there's a lot of love for how they're doing things now. They're putting a lot of focus into story, uh, immersiveness versus attraction. Mm-hmm. So I almost felt that it was very loving. Maybe maybe it's a, a hug. Maybe that's what New Fantasyland <laughs> is to us. It's a nice big hug. Uh, you know, it, it, it's sappy and campy, and people who may have not seen it are like, Fantasyland's a hug. But, but it kind of is, because I think you're right. And I think one of the things that I saw in Cars Land, and I see it again in Fantasyland, which is something that we really haven't seen before, is that when you step into a certain area, it's not about, uh, you know, look, right now you go to Peter Pan's flight, you get into that attraction, and you feel as though you're in that film. You step through that portal into the Enchanted Forest, and you are stepping foot into Beauty and the Beast. Right. The waterfalls, the grottos, the the incredible rock work, the landscape architecture is a work of art. The ambient sounds, right? right. Close your eyes and pay very close attention on that mm. bridge to not just what you see, but what you hear the level of detail and depth of story. So, and when you walk through that archway, you see the castle walls on one side are so uh, well-maintained and well-manicured. Step through that archway, look around, the walls are crumbling. You can see that that the beast has sort of let that deteriorate because those images and those scenes are taken, I mean, they're truly lifted directly from that film. And, you know, it's like the, the kid in Cars Land that says, is this where they film the movie? You sort of get that same type <laughs> Of sense of environment. Yeah, it's awesome. They don't have a border that goes from, you know, we're not now leaving Peter Pan land and we're going into It's a Small World. It's not that way at all. There's actually so much detail that the details start to uh, run over each other. So th- there's, a, there's a progression as you go towards Little Mermaid. Suddenly you're like, oh, now we're fully immersed in the Little Mermaid. And we hadn't even realized that we'd left the uh, Beauty and the Beast zone because it's it's gradual. It's a gradual mm-hmm. progression. And it actually goes all the way over into into um, into Storybook Circus. They actually have figured out a way to make that actually part of the progression. Very incredible. One of the things I, I have always enjoyed and I love pointing out to people because it's one of those things that you don't realize until maybe those dots are connected for you is Disney and Imagineering is so very conscious of what you see from where they're so very that the sight lines are very very deliberate and here too and especially when seven dwarfs mind train is finished you're going to see that same thing because it's one of those things where like cinderella castle you don't you have that big reveal moment right. you need to walk through that archway to get a reveal of the uh the area by uh Beast Castle and, right. and that part of the forest. But you need to sort of go around what this new mountain is going to be for the Seven Dwarfs Mine Coaster to get another reveal of Prince Eric's castle. And you do very well follow that progression from that French countryside, dark Gothic rock work into a much lighter, more nautical feel mm-hmm. when you go over to uh, Little Mermaid. Right. 
and then from there, you know, on through to the forest area where the circus would be. Now, we are many of us have been in the Magic Kingdom many, many, many times, and we all have these perspectives of Cinderella Castle that we see over and over again. We always see that first view when we come onto Main Street. You actually see it when you're going over the, the final lift hill or the for the drop for Splash Mountain, or if you look over your right-hand shoulder when you're going up on Thunder Mountain, you have these views of the Cinderella Castle that we're so used to seeing I've now discovered, because of this new area that's open to us, several new angles of the castle that we've never seen, and they're incredible. Right, and we also, you know, it opens up this area to, you know, you think about wishes, right? Now being able to see wishes, and we saw this the other night, from completely new vantage points, because now you've got different castles and again your 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 vertical perspective is very very different than what it was before yes and if you're using beast castle and you're in the right place you have fireworks going up directly behind a castle and it's a beautiful beautiful shot and like many other environs around the parks uh i think new Fantasyland at night has a completely different feel to it than it does during the day completely yeah it actually feels uh almost like Epcot in a way Mm -hmm. it feels like a type of place I'd want to go and hang around just hang out and and slowly walk around and uh, listen to the sounds and and take in the views for me one of the parts I I, and I I think my favorite place in New Fantasyland from a uh, a visual perspective is standing on that bridge in between where Be Our Guest is and where New where uh, Little Mermaid is and looking up at the rock work and Beast right. Castle, I love the kinetic elements that that water, the waterfalls bring in, and yeah. that eventual flowing river that's going to flow throughout New Fantasyland. The sounds, the use of forced perspective there is phenomenal because the top of that waterfall appears to be hundreds of feet away, right. and the castle seems to be so far off in the distance. When we know, you know, it, it's a great filmmaking trick that they use again, but I think it's really, really done well here. And at night, with the way the lights uh, and the shadows lay, I mean. Even something as simple as the statue of Gaston, right. the way it's illuminated at night yeah. with that that fountain. Yeah, it feels really. It feels like you are in that world that we really didn't see much. To, at you know, in the films, we don't spend much time there in the evening. But this is certainly what it's going to look like in the evening. It really felt like you are there. You are in that experience. And I think that's what it is for me. Is that it? The experience, the attraction, is not just in Tan Tans with Belle. It's not just to be our guest. It is sort of being in that place and sort of walking around. And I, and I imagine years going forward, what it's going to look like, not just when the, the Seven Dwarfs Mine train mountain is finished, but when the foliage really starts to come in right. and those lush green areas where there's going to be a lot of places to sit and relax, a lot of shaded areas, uh, how different it's going to look then as opposed to the way it does now. The same way right. if you look at old pictures of Frontierland and Liberty Square in 1971, and you could see, you know, from one end of Magic Kingdom to the other, how different it's going to look in a few years. Right, and how we just spent the first 15 minutes of this show talking about, not talking about the attractions at all. We just spent the entire time just talking about how walking across into that new zone, how they've created this whole new environment, this immersive environment. And I think that's important because I think that's what you said, too. It's about story. It's carrying on that legacy of Walt being a storyteller. And I think this is another example of Imagineering at its finest. Mm -hmm. I I think Cars Land, for me, made me fall in love with Disney California Adventure. It made that place a destination for me. I think that's what New Fantasyland is going to do 
for everybody. And, and a lot of people are going to think about it in terms of attractions, but I think hopefully they're going to fall in love with some of these details too, because I want people, and obviously the Imagineers do too, to take their time as you walk through and right. pay attention to those tiny details. I don't mean tributes to, you know, the hidden Oswald and the hidden 20,000 League sub. I mean to the space that they're walking through. Right. That that new feeling. And, and I think we're starting to see it all over the place as they, especially as they redo some of our cues so that they're more interactive throughout the parks. They're, they're putting a lot of emphasis on in, in just enriching that story, uh, immersing you more into that story or that environment. So uh, to that point, I mean, let's obviously address uh, at least briefly some of the attractions there. I'm going to save be our guest okay. <laughs> as not the first attraction, although for us and for many people, <laughs> judging by, you know, the the right. uh, you can see the lines, you can see the excitement on people's faces as, as they're going there. Uh, Enchanted Tales with Belle is very much that it is very much. It's not a show. It's not a ride. It is an interactive experience because it's not just something now that one person may participate in. It's a participatory event. It is sort of that taking that idea of the Magic Kingdom being a 3D stage show that normally you're sort of watching, but now you very much are a part of this tale. You're not just watching the experience. You are very much, you dictate right. how that show is going to go. Oh, yeah. At its base, this this begins as a character meet and greet. That's what, and it's certainly... They carried it way above and beyond that. They turned that a character meet and greet into a great experience with fantastic details uh, and even a walkthrough to get to that point that is phenomenal. Yeah, and you know this is another one of those things too where the story begins outside where you see sort of leading up to uh, Maurice's cottage. And we don't want to sort of spoil things in terms of the technology and the experience when you see right. the enchanted mirror and when you see Lumiere, which is, I think, one of the best uses of technology <laughs> that we've seen from Imagineering yes. in a long time. Right. But put the technology aside and put the details of being able to have your son or daughter compare how tall they are to Belle at certain points in their in, in as they grow up. As you're when you're in when you're in the cast in the um, the work the workshop, you can actually you can see how tall Bell was at different right. ages, and you know talk about have your daughter or son see if how they compare to Bell at seven right eight and years old. It's no longer Bell and the characters trying to create an experience for you because of the way that you participated. You and right. well, look, this attraction is not just for girls, certainly not just for girls no. and for little kids because the adults get involved too. <laughs> but the way you act and interact with one another dictates sort of what Bell's experience is going to be like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's great fun for everybody. Yeah. And again, too, from a total tech geek perspective too, um, it's breathtaking some of you know look fantasy land all of, there's no tech and there's low tech you know pepper's ghost and literally smoke and mirrors but there are some things that are a little bit more high tech and uh <laughs> you see sort of this progression of where this technology and where the interaction and and personalization of the experiences really maybe going as we go forward and they, they hide that high tech you don't even realize you're looking at something high tech until something happens right so the other parts of the, at least the, the Beast area is uh, not just Enchanted Tales, Enchanted Tales, 
but there is a Bonjour Village Gifts, mm-hmm. which is a, a great little store. And what I love seeing is something that I loved about old classic Walt Disney World. I love about Disneyland, and I see it coming back, is that you once again need to go to specific locations, specific venues, specific lands in the parks in order to find certain merchandise. You can't right. get everything at the Emporium, and you right. need to go to Zanzibar Traders to find one thing and Bonjour Village Gifts to find something else. Yes, and the the, the Village Gifts was great. There's actually a large painting on the back wall. Ask who it is. Go get in a discussion with the people because they're all prepared. They're all prepared with. They know what the story is. I couldn't repeat it for you right now, but the uh, yeah, there's a there's a there's a str- they're teaching everybody story and yeah. how to make sure we're immersing these our guests in that experience. And to that point, as I've walked through in those first few days that it opened, I, I very much wanted to talk to the cast members because look, we've said this uh, ad nauseum that. The Walt Disney World experience and Disney Parks experience is created not because of Dumbo and the princesses and the castles and, yes, maybe even the food, but it's because of the cast members. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to interact with them a lot and see how much and how immersed they are in story and how they really help convince you that you are in the French countryside and the master is, you know, in and they do a really, really good job of preparing their cast for these roles. Absolutely. And they've even included some sort of streetmosphere people that would actually be roaming around outside, making sure that you're always aware yeah. of where you are. Right. And that goes back to the point of the attraction and the experience not beginning when you get in the queue. It begins when you step foot into Fantasyland. <laughs> Fantastic. And I love and I do love some of those new characters because they are they do sort of have that citizens of Main Street, streetmosphere, Hollywood Studios sort of feel to them. Um <laughs> Where they're very, you know, they're very interactive and playful, putting it that way. So you need to sort of look out for them. Trust me, you you can't miss them. Um, While we're over there, let's sort of lead into the discussion of food. But really, Gaston's Tavern is so well-themed. Look, we know the song. We know the story. We've we've seen Beauty and the Beast a hundred times, so we understand the antlers and all the decorating. But this idea of this small, intimate, masculine uh, sort of French lodge with, uh, you know, a I'm using air quote fireplace and Gaston's <laughs> chair in the corner um, is really, really well done. You know, it's a very different feel from maybe a little bit more of a feminine feel of Bonjour Village gifts. Again, you, you look around and there's story everywhere. There's little stories happening all over the place. You just look around. Uh, uh, there's a a dart game had obviously happened and the results of the dart game, you can figure out exactly how that dart game went every step of the way, just from how it is presented in one of those rooms or the, the, the beautiful chair. uh, And there's also some really good food in there. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the really important thing because the Gaston's Tavern is a, uh, it's a quaint, quick service uh, restaurant where really the signature item is mm. the <laughs> you, you literally have your face in your hands is the pork shank and Lafou's Le brew which is a no sugar added frozen apple juice with a little hint of toasted marshmallow and has sort of has this um passion fruit foam on top which is phenomenal i, I really like that i they, they have right. a similar drink out in california um and especially i can imagine 
in the heat of Central Florida when you don't feel like you're in the French countryside, Lafrou's Brew is a really nice refreshing drink yeah my advice is don't rewind the podcast to hear what was in the drink again <laughs> and don't think about what it is because you if you try to anticipate what it's going to taste like it's not going to work so you'd have to just give it a try and see if you enjoy your lefou's brew so describe it best that you can your experience with the pork shank <laughs> uh, uh, it's well it's it was it's delicious it's very large uh i think it can easily be shared by four people or one of us <laughs> it's uh it was it was very delicious and uh i was not full i was i was full for the rest of the day pretty much and it's a large it's larger I, the one i had was at least large as large as a turkey leg mm. so very similar experience a very messy experience i find it best to sit down inside of Gaston's Tavern to enjoy it right. rather than walk around because uh, it is it could be a, a mess. Which I think is the intent. You of know, course. I think Gaston's Tavern is one that has sort of two separate rooms in it, each with somewhat of a, of a different feel, sort of the game room and then sort of the... Um, uh, the the dining room on the other side, uh, probably not a first date food, <laughs> you know. Um, but the thing that that is notable about the um, the pork shank is that even if you are walking through Fantasyland and had never heard of it before, you will get the smell of that pork shank <laughs> as you're walking. You know, Absolutely. twenty yards in front of Gaston's Tavern. It, it is something. It's a it again new Fantasyland. Very much a multi-sensory experience. It's not just what you see, but what you hear. They want you to touch and interact with the environment. Look, walk up to be our guest restaurant and look at how many people are, you know, putting their hands on and feeling the rock work. They're right. feeling the the gargoyles outside because they look as though they are a you know hundreds of year old patinaed bronze. Right. And the other thing you bring in is there's a lot of visuals visual cues from the films themselves seeing uh, things like oh oh this was obviously this this was obviously that and it gives especially for children something that they can go oh my gosh i've been there and i think that's what let's you know let's talk about the 800 pound gorilla in the room and i don't mean each one of us but <laughs> it's be our guest restaurant because that's i think this is one of the best uses and and some of the imagineers that we talked to over the weekend said the same thing is that they literally not only watched Beauty and the Beast hundreds and hundreds of times, but they pulled out small background individual elements that they pulled into this restaurant. And look, when you walk up to be our guest, it's a breathtaking experience. It's a very masculine sort of, you can tell this is not a princess's castle. Right. This is a masculine castle. And you walk through that doorway, which is a reveal. They keep those doors closed because they right. want you to have that reveal moment. You literally stop in your tracks and you gasp at, you know, the archways and the mosaics and the tile work. And then that look inside sort of that, that visual weenie on the opposite end of that big ballroom are those floor to ceiling windows and the snowfall the outside. Snowfall, right. Um, you know, it's, there's so much to take in as you're walking through. And look, we, we've talked about this before about how it's counter service during the day. It's table service at night, which I think is a brilliant concept and works very, very well because it's a completely different experience. Because during the day when it's counter service, you walk through this hallway of suits of armor mm -hmm. that, again, are not it's not a passive thing. There is an interactive element to that. Um, 
and you go through that sort of automated ordering process. You get your enchanted rows, and when you you find your table and you put your rows down, it's not to use the, overuse the word, but sort of magically, a minute later, a rolling cart comes by and your food is brought out to you. Very different than a typical counter service restaurant. Yeah, certainly they they're they're carrying on the whole. Uh, experience to to the tea in there. Yeah, and, and inside Be Our Guests is a number of different rooms. Certainly trying to describe it via audio is not going to be able to convey it as well, but the Beast Parlor and the Ballroom and that very dramatic West Wing mm. all have a very, very different feel to it. And again, they all have different sort of roles. You know, the, the, the main ballroom is a dining hall, but the way that the other rooms transform because Beast Parlor is where you place your lunch order during um, during the day. But then there's also, you know, it has a different sort of use at night because mm-hmm. you never know when the beast might show up. Um, we're certainly going to we need to do a live restaurant review of Be Our Guest Restaurant, both during the day and at night. We've talked about the menu before having a chance to eat there. Now, I've actually eaten there uh, twice for lunch and once for dinner. I took my family once, um, which is a rare occasion for me. <laughs> They've been there a couple times for lunch. Uh, the menus are completely different. I-, I thought the food was outstanding. And the-, the important thing was we felt as though, both because of the cuisine and because of the environment, that we were no longer in the Magic Kingdom, right? We didn't have mm-hmm. that Magic Kingdom kind of feel. And that's not to take away anything from some of my favorite restaurants like Pecos yeah. Bill or Liberty Tree Tavern, but you walk into this and those doors close behind you and you really have sort of a, a transformative experience as to where you feel as though you're eating because there, you cannot order a hamburger right. off that menu. Mm. You're ordering... French-inspired cuisine, both at lunch and dinner, and I need to sort of post a picture of uh, the post-lunch table where literally every one of our plates was completely clean, Hmm. you know, because it's not a typical turkey sandwich or a cheesesteak. It's a real steak sandwich. It's a a ham and cheese sandwich. There's quinoa salad. There's tuna. I mean, things that you're not going to find elsewhere in the park. Right, and I actually think Gaston's Tavern is... A counter service restaurant, but I don't think be our guest in the afternoon is counter service at all. Even though I think it's a a new categorization, mm. it's somewhere between a sit down restaurant and a counter service because it's a very different experience. You from from its size to the to the quality of the food and the presentation. I think it's a it's a different experience. Well, and I think that's what the restaurant does is. It is sort of the the it's part of the story or it completes the story, right? It, it's sort of that it could be sort of the final chapter of that story, whereas other restaurants are sort of very individual. This is very much a part of the this this French countryside beast castle kind of experience. So you go into the Enchanted Tales with Belle, you go to Gaston's Tavern, and I think the menu, because it's something that you could almost imagine being served mm. in Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> but it it does. The, the food very much completes the story. It was, uh, it, it was inspired by somebody who um, is a native uh, of France, and the, the quick service menu and the dinner menu, which is a little bit more elegant. We've talked about the fact that now that there's alcohol in there, which makes sense because now you're ordering that kind of food 
I, I get it having been there now mm-hmm. that somebody would want a glass of wine or right. beer with their meal. Yeah, even if it's the afternoon. Now, there's one other thing of food on here that we're not talking about, and that's outside in the street where you can get some popcorn. Well, and and the, the cool thing about this, and we've seen this happening elsewhere too, is that everything is so well-themed. Right. You know, the, the popcorn cart is not just a, a metal cart with some decorative elements on it at right. all. Yeah, who created who created this popcorn cart? We actually find out when we're in Bell's house. You can see the plans for that popcorn cart are up on the wall. You know, there's elements of it that are going to appear when you're outside. So it's another great use of that space. Yeah, and again, this is something that uh, we need to talk about the menu specifically while we do uh, a live review. But I think from the costuming to look, the the ballroom is breathtaking. From the the chandeliers to the yes. artwork to the mosaics to everything else, uh, be our guest. You know, should, could almost be included as um, on the on the map as an attraction. As an attraction. As an attraction. Yeah. Yeah, as it changes, I mean, the the West Wing, it's, it's dark. It almost feels like it's cold. You're almost, you're kind of nervous in there. And uh, some of the interactive elements are really incredible. Yeah. So, all right, so let's move from uh, Be Our Guest and the Beast Castle. Let's start moving across the bridge. And I, and I want you, next time you go, to pay very close attention because there's a lot of foreshadowing for what you're going to see, how that transition goes from the crumbling ruins of the archway and one side of the bridge versus the other side of the bridge where you can see the seven dwarves have their influence. Mm-hmm. And then as you move further down through sort of that French countryside village into where the, the Prince Eric's castle is and that very nautical feel of the under the sea journey of the little mermaid attraction is you again need to sort of pay attention to not just transitions in rock work, in color, in shadow, in light, in foliage. I mean, the the, the, right. the landscape uh, architecture is very, very different. But even the music starts to subtly change. At, and there is no physical portal, but you very much feel that change as you start walking forward. Yes, and, and now you're on, now you're definitely in the seaside. And there's that big brown, there's a ship, uh, the front of a ship there with the aerial in the front. And you really feel like you've gone from into this different area was a still wonderfully themed. And obviously the, the, uh, the, the hallmark attraction here is the under the sea journey, the little mermaid, but there's really, this is another one, Glenn, where I think that there are multiple elements, almost sort of a three act play here because that first act is setting the stage. You see the ship outside, you see Prince Eric's castle. You feel as though that scene was pulled out of the movie. Right. You start to believe where you're going. And then when you walk into the queue, We've talked about this before, about how the queue experience is different. It's no longer metal stanchions and velvet ropes. It is an experience where the queue may go away, and we'll talk about Storybook Circus and the double dumbos, to one that is very immersive. And this is one of those things where, again, that use, that subtle use of technology makes you forget that you're standing in line because you're looking for things and you're paying attention to things that you can interact with along the way. Right. You keep busy because what's around you is not is hugging you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and again, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there is um, crabs, these multiple crabs appear along the way and they engage you in a game of trash or treasures, right? To help fill their, their, their treasure chests with those gas 
gadgets and, and gizmos aplenty, and you kind of forget that you're waiting in line, right? I was watching the guests' reaction as much as I was watching myself going through, and you see the kids and adults playing individually and playing together, right? You see the kids and mom and dad talking, and I, and I like that family engagement that goes on there. Mm. Yeah, it's it's excellent. Watch it. We I was on with a great family, a friend of ours, the, the McBriars, and we just had a great time uh, playing around in the queue. And the uh, the attraction itself, I think, and and this queue um, is visually beautiful. You know, the rock work there is so well done. It's so well detailed. There's this enormous. It's like eighty five foot hand painted mm. mural uh, as you get into the ride load area. And look, under the sea is the classic Disney dark ride, right? It's for everybody in the family. It tells a story. It's pulled right out of the film. You can sort of recognize the scenes that that you're in. You sort of know what's coming next. And then there's sort of those breathtaking reveal moments as well, too. But again, they sort of take it to that next level. You know, it's not Mr. Toad's Wild Ride with a lot of cardboard cutouts. You know, great use of audio animatronic technology. Right. And they use another thing that's become more apparent lately is instead of having different rooms, the the borders, instead of separating different rooms, are just in the angles that you're approaching from. So if you can turn around, if your, your vehicle turns around, suddenly you have a different view of the next so everything is revealed to you as you go through not because you keep passing into a different room but just because of how the uh the everything is laid out right and and like the other attractions and like things you'll see in uh in the beast castle section you know the people who worked on the film worked on the attraction Mm -hmm. as well too and i don't mean just uh, voice characters as well too but uh, you know Glenn Keane the supervising animator and character designer you know he was very much a part of that because when you take a two-dimensional character and now have to bring her to life in 3D audio animatronic it's one of those things that it's almost it's better that they waited so that they could really make this attraction you know what it is it, it makes it sort of that classic dark ride but something that is that next step forward a little bit mm, yeah the technology it is apparent it's it's beautiful it, it's apparent but it's not intrusive right, right? It, it's not it's not a, a a you know a pyrotechnic show showcasing technology it's subtle and it's one of those things that you almost don't take notice until you force yourself to really see like wow is her how do they do that like how is her hair yeah. moving how are they making these uh, these crabs appear in the queue when they are not audio animatronics. And look, it's, you know, when the new Fantasyland was first announced, it was a lot of meet and greet experiences and things like that. They they sort of uh, reworked and rethought what they did. And now when you have a meet and greet experience like Enchanted Tales with Belle or here where you have Ariel's Grotto, it very much ties more into the overall story. It doesn't feel like we have a space, let's just throw Ariel in there because you've seen the castle, you feel like you're in the environment, you've seen the story, and then when you come out, you actually get a chance to to meet Ariel exactly where she should be. Where she should be, right. You know, story-wise. Right, it's fantastic. And the timing is perfect. It's, you've just finished the ride, you you know where the movie goes, and that's right where the ride goes, etc. <laughs> so, again, December 6th marked the, um, the grand opening of all of New Fantasyland, but I think one of the things that 
had sort of not get lost behind there, but we almost forgot about it because we've been experienced it for so long has been Storybook Circus, right? right? It, which is very much a part of New Fantasyland. And it does sort of flow from and to these other sections of New Fantasyland. And look, as somebody who, like you, we've been coming to Magic Kingdom for decades, we're showing our age, but we remember Birthday Land, right? We remember mm-hmm. we remember Starland, we remember Mickey's Toontown Fair, but when you walk into Storybook Circus now, it has a completely different feel to it. And I keep on telling people when I walk through that that circus tent entrance, I keep saying, well, wait, wasn't Barnstormer here? It, yeah. it doesn't, you forget sort of the layout of where it was. Yeah, you, you certainly get that feeling that, did they move everything? Is it, <laughs> what, didn't this, this feels much larger, much more open than it ever did when it was Birthday Land, Starland, or Farmtown, or whatever, or Sims, <laughs> Sims Land, whatever they, whatever they named it that week. It was, uh, it seems like it's much larger and, uh, uh, expansive mm-hmm. and it's it's almost lo- wider and more expansive than any other place in the Magic Kingdom. You stand there and like you you're it's this big open area and you turn around and you you look through the you look through the sign and there's Cinderella Castle in a way you've never seen it before. Right. Um, even though it's in a sort of the same location it was when you were when it was Birthday Land. The the big top circus tents, which were originally tents that were quote unquote temporary for Mickey's Birthday Land. Right. Uh, have been repurposed, and again, they they don't feel as though they're in the same place that they have been for you know thirty years, whatever it is. But you get the sense, you know, going back to the idea of story, and again, a, a um, an area that is spectacular at night, specifically, I think, because of the lighting and because of of Dumbo. You really do feel as though that this temporary traveling circus has come to town, clearly by rail, right? right? Because of the details, the the. the the, the elephant print and the camel print and the peanuts embedded in the pavement, that train roundhouse where you see the Casey Jr. Circus train, from a story perspective, you get it. And it very much evokes that Dumbo story, that 1940s small town circus yeah, right. uh, that sort of pulled into you know this fairground. Right. And the way, as right now, obviously it's not finished yet. The, the, the Snow White Mountain is not there right now. But there will be a gradual progression between these two, even though it is a jump of decades. The, they would go, um, you would, you, you don't stumble upon it and go, oh, that was a weird abrasive uh, difference in environments. It, it actually feels like it was gradual. You were suddenly, like, oh, now we're here. And I think when the mountain is in place, it'll be even, that'll be even stronger. Right. And we've talked in the past about the double dumbos and what I think is a brilliant idea of this cueless cue, this comfortable air-conditioned environment for parents to relax, for kids to play, because you don't feel as though you're waiting online. Throughout Storybook Circus, there are, and I think now as a parent, there's many more places to sit. There's a lot of shaded right. area as well, too. There's the, the Casey Jr. water play area is going to be a year-round popular place for kids to sort of expend some of that excess energy. I, I love the train station being themed to the Carrollwood Pacific. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that it goes back to Walt. You know, Walt's obviously, you know, his connection to Dumbo and, and the time period, it fits in perfectly. One of the things that I was really surprisingly impressed with because it's not normally something that's on my radar because I'm, I don't, me personally, you know, meeting characters is not a big thing for me, but we went to Pete's Silly Sideshow. Side and again, 
from the exterior, the story begins because they've got that uh, sort of circus band organ that's right. talking to you. There's references to great old characters that I think affords us as adults a great opportunity to introduce our kids to when they say, who's Humphrey the Bear and where did he come yeah. from? Who was Pete? Who are some of these other characters? And what are those films we now can say, hey, let, let me go home and let me show you, right. you know, <laughs> some of those films. But Pete's Silly, Shine sh- Silly Side Show is not just, again, a painted background that characters are put in front of. Each has their own story. Right. Each character has their own personality based on the character that they're playing. Oh, it even begins, once again, in the queue. As you're going through the queue, there's hints that there are vehicle parts and things that a daredevil might have uh, in their in their back pocket, or tarot cards for a gypsy storyteller or something like that. And that's long before you've gotten into the area where you you meet the great Goofini, or uh, I don't remember what Daisy's name was. As Oh, Daisy was... Um... There was there was Mini Magnifique, uh, uh, Madame Daisy Fortuna, the, That's the, it, the fortune right? teller. Yes. So the, the, their stories and then their environments where you get you get to meet them, they're phenomenally detailed. And once again, not a painted black drop. All right. And even when you go next door into uh, the big top souvenirs, that too is almost an attraction because and we're going to have a, a video from this as well, too, because this this merchandise shop is unique for a couple of reasons one very very well themed it looks as though you look up and you right. look on the ground you feel as though you're all, and even the the textures you feel yes. as though you're stepping on canvas right? right they've stretched that canvas below you can see the high wire above in the middle is the largest show kitchen of any um location in walt disney world and they have snacks and food and merchandise that is only found there. Much of it goes back to Dumbo and some of those original characters, but mm. even the storybook uh, circus treats are things that you would find and are evocative of uh, a, a, an old-time circus. But again, Disney, you know, they have some things in there that, and I put in air quotes, are somewhat healthy. It, right. To me, it's healthy <laughs> because it has fruit in it or it has bananas in it. Um, but those are things you can only find there. And I really, really like that because it makes these locations almost mini destinations uh, along your journey through the park. And just to continue the theming, the cash registers are usually inside of a circus train vehicle. So like the, the I saw one was the, the camel, uh, the camel cart mm-hmm. was now a cash register for making your purchase. Right. And again, Everything is about detail. Everything is about story. Your seven-year-old may not recognize it, may not care, but I think, again, this goes to the the layers of the onion that I like to, to talk about. Um, if, you, if you're telling somebody who's going to New Fantasyland for the first time, you can't miss this, or this is what really impressed me. This is what I love. What is sort of that one thing for you that you took, that you took away or look forward to seeing again next time you go back to Fantasyland? I want to spend more time in that area, not so much in this restaurant or on the attractions, but to get to follow through with that very, those very strong storylines, whether it would be Goofini's storyline that if you start looking around at many of the props around the area, you could figure out something has happened here and you could piece together what had happened as you see them all in succession. So I want to spend more time looking at things like that. Yeah, for me, I want to go back to, <clears throat> excuse me, Enchanted Tales with Belle. 
a number of different times because I want to see how that story and that play changes yeah. time after time. Right. Again, and I'm also blown away by The Mirror and by Lumiere. But again, for me, the single moment, the place, the location that I like most is standing out in front of Be Our Guest. Yeah. It's a great place to watch people come and go. Uh, I, the sounds of, of the birds chirping and mm. the flowing water and the music. and It really gives you a sense that you are in a very different place. And I think that is one of the most impressive parts of all of New Fantasyland for me. I would love to hear from people who are listening what they think, what they have found to be the part of New Fantasyland that has impressed them most. They can come by and leave comments over at the show notes over at wdwradio.com but i want to move on because there was a lot going on this weekend and you go from that old storytelling of classic uh, storytelling of classic tales in new fantasy land to something completely different on the opposite end of the spectrum again embracing what epcot center was meant to be at the very beginning which is you know reimagining an attraction and making it grounded in reality but very futuristic and obviously we're talking about the the refurbishment of test track test track yeah <laughs> that's a lot of fun we had a we had a great time it was a big crowd at night <laughs> so uh it, it's one of those attractions that you know and we talked about this when they announced that it was going to be closing we said it's not one that necessarily needed to close down right. right there was nothing wrong with the attraction there was nothing wrong with the story there was nothing wrong with the technology because for the most part that is how cars are still designed and produced and tested and it gave you that sense of what it was but disney and, and chevrolet and gm wanted to change the focus from you know crash test dummy testing to design development and some of the things that go in and again making going back to making it a much more interactive experience for us, the guests. Right, and they did that once again, having a, a three-act story, a beginning and a middle and an end, and making the ride the middle was a very unique thing, having a, a very informed uh, and detailed beginning and a very involved ending mm -hmm. after the ride makes it a very different uh, attraction than I'm used to. Most of the attractions end when you get off the ride part. Right. So, and, you know, the long standing joke was the attractions over you exit out into a gift shop. And yes, eventually you do. But I think you're right. And when we wrote it during the previews, a couple of things struck us. Obviously, you know, Test Track very much has a, a Tron feel to it. Right. In, in terms of dark backgrounds, neon blues and right. purples and greens, which is beautiful for guys like us who are Tron fanatics. and We love Tron Legacy. I, I dig that. Um, there's a great use of technology, but we were very, very impressed with the queue mm -hmm. and with the post show, right, right, almost that the attraction itself not was the, that it was secondary, but I think we were pleasantly surprised by what we experienced beforehand. Before and the, after. Again, multi sensory experience. I don't know if it's going to be there forever, but those doors open and you walk in, and it literally has that new, new car, car smell. smell. I, <laughs> I don't. It's the little things that impress us, um, <laughs> but it does. It sort of helps to complete that story because when you think of a new car we all sort of love that new car smell. And you go through that pre-show area and you're not watching a video. There's nothing setting up a story, but you're seeing technology of the future, cars of the future, sort of this design. It's almost sort of like the trans center from the old world of motion, right. which by the way is referenced to in logos and trash yes. cans and, and right. some of the, the, the graphic art, which I love. Uh, 
but sort of this idea of future cars that GM's already working on. And there's a prototype that's out there as well, too. But then you are able to start designing your own car. And the, so the attraction begins there. Mm-hmm. It, your attraction begins before you get into your ride vehicle. Yeah, you spent time walking through a line that's in a different form than it was for test track. So it wasn't like they just changed. They didn't just paint the walls and change the, where the, the location of the uh, of the ropes were. It's, it's a different, you're in a different room with interesting walls that are shaped almost like vehicle walls because they don't have sharp corners or anything like that. They're, they're, they they bend like a vehicle would bend or something like that and then you go into your design center you close room you're in a closed room with several other people at a monitor and it's sort of imagine a, a giant you know touch screen surface like it's like a giant ipod but and <laughs> which you're able to choose elements of the car that you want to uh, enhance or maybe take away from so capability efficiency responsiveness power you can design everything from the hood ornaments to the car's length with the tires the color the paint job the engine so it really becomes very very personal to you uh, what i didn't experience but what i did notice is that if you're a fast pass rider they want to you want to obviously maximize the efficiency of your time in there so you'll actually be able to go in uh, whether you're fast pass or single rider, you can choose the the one performance attribute that's most important to you with sort of a on a pre-designed vehicle to help get you through quicker. Because our uh, experience in there was a few minutes long. I mean, you're not talking yeah. about 30 seconds. Ours was about seven, Ours eight nine minutes, minutes. Or so, nine minutes. Nine minutes. So yes, it's a it's a long time, but it's fun because you're also able to do it not just individually, right. but with your partner or with a, a number of people in your group. Yeah, I believe they the the room where all the design stations are. I believe they hold 30 vehicles. So if 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 you have four people working on one vehicle, that's 120 people in that room at a time, uh, being fed through. And I think they can adjust that time period, that nine minutes, based on how long the lines are. If they want to control something like that, they can leave you less time. Um, but you get to pick your your vehicle, you agree on it, and then it's it's all put on your memory card. So and that's the thing too. So you're given a a plastic what looks like credit card with a, with a rubber band attached to it. And in there is an RFID and that car you designed, so that experience of the designing car doesn't end there. You do take it onto the attraction. When you get up to your vehicle, you swipe that card on an RFID reader and that becomes the experience, I'm using air quotes, that you get. Those things are measured along the way in this, again, multi-century, very visual yes. experience. Right. You know, those scene changes are, uh, again, not, like the old test track where you're going through a number of different tests to a certain degree you are because your vehicle is being tested but uh from a visual perspective you know there was a lot of cool reveals and different scenes as we sort of mm-hmm. those like oh like we heard that that first room was a oh wow kind of moment. yeah right and there are moments when you you turn a corner and i saw this futuristic city out of nowhere and i was like oh that is so cool so your your little vehicle that you designed before uh the it is being tested behind the scenes almost as you're going through this this journey to uh, to the post show. Right. And so obviously the track hasn't changed, although you don't necessarily recognize where you are, save for right. one element that is, and I don't want to and spoil for you, one element from the old attraction is in there, which very much sort of connects you, it connects yes. those dots. 
But I think the other thing that we were really impressed with, and we kept on looking at each other as we were walking through, was the post-show area, because it continues that story of automobile design. Because now, right. what you experience in the pre-show and on the attraction, it stays with you, because there's a number of different locations where you can take your car, you can have your um, your car scored in terms of design, you can compare it to this baseline SIM car to see how you performed, you can create your own TV commercial with locations and narration. There's a um, sort of this digital driving table right. that you sort of swipe your car and now your your vehicle appears in this sort of top-down slot car race right. type right. of thing, right. a, a virtual reality kind of thing like that. Um, you can pose with photos uh, using some more modern type of green screen right. uh, technology. Uh, you see Chevy on you know lunar surfaces and polar landscapes. There's new and concept vehicles, again, sort of the old, going back to the old world of motion right. kind of thing. Um, you can spend and will spend potentially a lot of time in the post-show. And it's not just we've dumped you into a, oh, yeah. a showroom of, of Chevrolet vehicles. It's that continuing interactive kind of environment. Yeah, Lou, I mean, I got off the the attraction and when you get off, it felt like getting off a test track. So I expected I'd come off and see the photo thing and then I'd walk through the area where it was, um, you know, you could get involved with something, but I did not know what was to follow. So the first one of those things was where you could create your own commercial using the car you just created. So you can choose, and I think I chose a country music star and he was focusing on how, uh, how, powerful the vehicle was so i was able to, to customize a commercial and then watch that 30 second commercial and then i thought that was it and then i was going to walk out and be in the gift shop but no it continued on that's the next room was how did your your vehicle compare with all the others and next one was the slot car racing and then the finally having everybody in your team be able to get a photograph and have you put on with the vehicle you just created okay. in a photo i was like that was so amazing right and I think what it does, too, is there is a an individual aspect, there's a group aspect, there's a, a right. competitive aspect to a certain degree, like, oh, what my car looked like, how did my car do versus your car do? There's a, a huge rewritability yeah. in terms of, not that you're in-vehicle experience, obviously the track doesn't change, some of the things you see might change, but, okay, how do I tweak my vehicle? What do I want the car to look like? You know, you wonder, too, potentially going forward, how far even beyond the post show you're mm. going to be able to take that vehicle? Right. Right. How, are you going to be able to sort of take that virtual vehicle home with you? Mm -hmm. Are you going to be able to, you know, get a picture of that? Vir Whatever it may be, um, I, I think it's a real and it's probably an initial baby step of the personalization that we've been talking about. We're wondering what next gen is going to be. The continue on the continuation of the experience from the exterior to the pre-show, to the attraction, to the post-show. I think that's what Test Track really represents to me was not necessarily the ride itself, but sort of the experience as a whole. Yes, I think, think the one thing I want to go back on and listen for is is how music is handled. Uh, we talked about music a lot in the Fantasyland thing, that there was a lot of uh, immersive music, but I wasn't necessarily aware of music so much in this at this point, so I don't know if it was because of a lack of music or if it was uh, very Tron and kept mm -hmm. me in that zone. Yeah, I, uh, I really liked it, and again, it's one of those things that I want to go back to. Again, different experience, day versus night, because you still get that 65-mile-per-hour uh, you know, rush uh, outside. 
But uh, visually, I was really, really impressed with the pavilion. And uh, I think Q and post-show are really the things that, that, I, that I took away. But I want to see how that experience continues to change Absolutely. as your vehicle changes uh, read ride wise Sorry, you mentioned music. I'm going to use that as a segue, um, not a you know, virtual to we've wheeling segue, but a segue <laughs> to uh, one of the other things, which I know we have been sort of, you know, offline, you and I talking about being very, very excited because we're locals and because we know, and I, and I try and reinforce this to people who are listening that the Walt Disney world experience is not limited to the time that you spend in the park. It right. is not about riding rides. It's not about necessarily seeing shows. Certainly for us, it's about the food. We're going to get to that too. But there's so much more to do beyond the confines of the four theme parks and the two water parks. And so many people don't realize that places like the Boardwalk and Downtown Disney are true entertainment venues. And this week we were treated to the grand opening, which is actually going to officially open on December 19th, of something completely different in Downtown Disney. And I think a great step towards what Downtown Disney is and and will be which is splitsville luxury lanes Mm. right and to people who are not familiar with the splitsville brand they're probably thinking it's a bowling alley coming to downtown disney now as a kid and growing up i went bowling sometimes and i will tell you and and the first thing i thought of was this is not your father's bowling alley (laughs) by any stretch it's not right it's not you know smoky and there's you know beer fights and it, it this is a true entertainment, a two-story, 50,000-square-foot entertainment mm. complex in which bowling is only one part of. And the neat thing about it, Glenn, is that it is specifically geared for families. Right, You walk in, and it's a very family-friendly environment. Although, upstairs on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights, they're going to have those other 20 lanes and those other bars and, and dining areas upstairs be restricted to 21 years or older, which I think solves the question of what is downtown Disney, right? Is it a place for families to go or is it old school Pleasure Island where it's nightclubs and it's 21 and over? You've got a single location where you've got it both. Right. There's billiards, there's dining, which is not, again, chicken wings and nachos, right. although they have awesome nachos and chicken wings, <laughs> but there's a sushi bar, there's chimichurri steak. I mean, and the food... It's phenomenal. It's a place that I know we as locals are excited to just go and spend time hanging out with friends and family. Absolutely. It, it's, it's so exciting to have that in there. It does open up that West End. It opens it up the West End. Now we have Disney Quest and even the characters in flight. There's a lot of entertainment things down there as well as the Cirque du Soleil. They're all on that side and it makes that walk over there. Uh, it's actually worth a drive over there now because it, it's probably someplace I will go a lot right. in the evenings when I'm, when I'm done. When the Magic Kingdom closes at 7, it doesn't necessarily mean the night's over. Right, because I think what it is is it's not – look, it's it certainly – it's the 30 lanes of bowling is, is – is, you know, what the entertainment aspect is there. There's obviously billiards upstairs as well too, but it's about socializing, right? It's about a place. It's about a destination to go to because you can go to bowl and then spend a few hours hanging out, having a a drink or some food with friends. And this kind of food is right in my wheelhouse, man, (laughs) because it's, you know, pork sliders and, and nachos and 
when I say things like chicken fingers or fried calamari, it's not what you're normally used to. They put a real upscale mm. spin on this. And that's what splits, Splitsville really is, is it's a combination of 50s nostalgia and upscale. And that's why Luxury Lanes is sort of a, an appropriate name for it because it does feel like a much higher end kind of experience there, but one that you're perfectly comfortable going there with your family and right. you're even, you know, you're comfortable going upstairs, sitting inside or sort of outside looking over downtown Disney at night is going to be just awesome with great food. There's live music. It truly is. It's an entertainment destination. Um, so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> Yeah, the voodoo shrimp and right. the grilled chicken parmesan. And, and, you know, again, there's stuff for the kids as well, too. Uh, look, for me, this is now combining two additional sports that I am not very good at. <laughs> but you will have a blast. And look, we had so much fun just bowling a couple of frames with friends because it's not necessarily about how you score, but uh, that type of, of socializing environment. And I think that you're right. I think this is... Um, Building on this idea of expanding the entertainment and the retail and the dining options in downtown Disney. And this it's a great space. It's a great location. I think this is hopefully the first of other venues like yes. this that we're going to see in there as well, too. Yes. And for me, I'm also personally excited about the formation of the WDW Radio bowling Absolutely. team. <laughs> so. You're only, it's just real, actually just the bowling shirts. I just want the bowling shirt, an excuse to go in and eat and hang. But there look, we go. You know, and look, for locals mm -hmm. and for cast members, right, they're already paying attention to cast members. Like Thursday night, it's going to be cast member appreciation night right. with lots of discounts. Like this is going to be a great place. We, look, to use your term, Walt Disney World and the theme parks have become our park. Right. Quote, unquote. It's the place that we go and walk around and spend time with our friends and get a cup of coffee or, or go eat or just wander around. That's what Splitsville very much can become because you can go and yeah, the, they haven't announced pricing yet, but what we're expecting is you'll pay per person per lane uh, on an hourly or an hour and a half rate. So it's figure maybe $20 on a Saturday night per person for an hour and a half. You can use that lane for as many or as little games as you want. There's a table service, so they bring your food over to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you want to play for a little while and then hang out, there's a huge dining area. There's live music. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really becomes a fun place to go to at night. You don't have to dance, but you can if you want to. So it has a different feel to it than uh, a, a Raglan Road, right. which is down there, or a Paradiso 37, or a House of Blues. House of Blues, right. But it's street. also not, you know... It's also not mannequins. It's right. also not that kind of environment as well, too. Oh, I'm so excited. I just can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, of all the things that debuted this weekend, Splitsville surprisingly was one that I walked away and I was like, I cannot wait to go back here. Right. You know, I love, look, I love Fantasyland and I, we were talking about how we want to see Test Track again. I mean, Fantasyland, my kids every day, you know, keep wanting to go back because as locals who have been there a lot... It is very new for mm -hmm. all of us, and there's a lot more to understand and experience. And I, from a detail perspective, want to peel back more of those layers of the onion and learn more about why things are there and discover some of those little hidden things that are there, whether right. it's the tributes to Oswald, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, or the hidden Mickey you can only see one day out of the year because right. it's a shadow that is going to be cast from a, <laughs> an opening in the queue on November 18th, right. which is Mickey Mouse's birthday. Um, those kind of things we'll be discovering over time. But Splitsville 
makes me excited again about downtown Disney. Right. Um, and places that I can take my family and also go hang out with my friends. Yeah, I'll do Fantasyland and, and Test Track. You're allowed to peel back the onion again. And at Splitsville, that's where you're going to take the onion and have it deep fried and throw a couple of gutter balls and enjoy <laughs> some friend time. You obviously saw me bowl the other day when you mentioned the gutter <laughs> balls. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, look, I, I keep saying it is a, a great time to be a Disney fan. You know, we didn't really even talk about The Legend of Captain Jack Sparrow, which opened in downtown, uh, in, in Disney's Hollywood Studios, where the old uh, Narnia exhibit was. Captain Jack Sparrow will cover separately because it is sort of, it's not a walkthrough, it's sort of a stand-in 360-degree show that takes place around you. Again, great use of low-tech and very high-tech that projection mm. of Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow will make you question whether or not he is actually in the room with you. Projection. I mean, <clears throat> Captain Jack is in the room with you. Um, <laughs> you know, moving forward, obviously in 2013, we've got the Princess Storybook Hall, which is going to open where mm. Snow White used to be. That gives you that destination because, look, meeting characters, meeting the princess is very much an important part and very much on the radar of young families and young girls, they will have that single, well-themed, story-driven venue for that. 2014 is the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Oh my 2013, gosh. I'm looking forward to the entire year because I want to see more in, in, in actual use what this limited time magic is going to be, what this weekly and or daily change of events mm -hmm. entertainment surprises stories whatever it may be disney is going to roll out uh over you know 52 weeks that are going to appear and disappear as the next surprise comes so they'll be themed towards you know true love around valentine's day or there'll be pirates week or villains week or whatever it may be uh, I think there's a, we talked about this on the newscast, a lot of opportunity for Disney to do some very creative things for people that are coming down on their one trip a year or one trip every couple of years. I like the idea of you never know potentially yeah. what you may get. Right. Yeah, you, you're going to know possibly when the, you know, Golden Horseshoe Review tribute may be and you might fall on that week. But you may come down and say, oh, I'm going to miss food and wine. I can't come down to her in Flower and Garden. But hey, all of a sudden it's Pirate Week yeah. and your son loses his marbles yeah. <laughs> because it's a celebration of his favorite film. And as locals, mm -hmm. now all of a sudden we say, hey, you know what? Why don't we go to the Magic Kingdom today? Why don't we go to, why don't we go to Epcot? Why don't we see what's going on to see what potentially may be coming big or small? Right. And that plays right into what I look forward to most every year. It's not necessarily the big picture movements. It's not necessarily the uh, the changes at the studios. It is those small things that I you don't hear about for like Splitsville, for example. Right. It wasn't something that we were preparing for for three years. It right. was like within one year we heard that announced and it opens. So it seems like that's the type of thing that I'm really looking forward to. And this limited time magic magic sort of does that. Every week you have a different possible experience that you can get right and i think what this you know this grand opening what this sort of tease as to what's coming next look they had sort of a preview of what's new and what's next they showed a uh, uh a still image of uh sort of the high level execs so there's tom staggs from uh, walt disney parks and resorts joe Rody from walt disney imagineering james cameron uh the director of avatars there looking at a model mm. 
of, or sort of a preliminary model of what Avatar Land is going to be. We can hopefully finally put to rest these uh, these unsubstantiated rumors of this Avatar project dying because here they are saying, you know, this plane is in flight. This yeah. Navi is in flight. They're, <laughs> they are working on this next thing. But right now, let's focus on the fact that as a Disney fan, as a Disney Parks fan, you have a lot to be excited about because mm. there's something for everybody. Cars Land, Buena Vista Street has now in this past year made Disneyland a destination. The acquisition of Marvel and Lucasfilms gives us an entirely new broad range of stories and characters to be excited about potentially coming into the parks. Right. New Fantasyland are those classic fairy tales coming to life and there's things for kids and adults to do. Test Track, Tron Track, call it whatever you want. <laughs> Let's the... Epcot Nostalgics and the tech geeks get very excited and Splitsville lets everybody from families that come once a year to locals who think they've seen and done it all and are looking for something else to do have a new destination. Right. Um, you know, and we saw a dragon. I swear <laughs> I saw a dragon. <laughs> you know, we saw a dragon uh, during that preview. Disney, I think, did a brilliant job of teasing that right. via the social channels. Twitter and Facebook and a Tumblr account. You know, they're sort of they're, they're dipping their toe into the Tumblr waters and photos and videos and, and Gary Buchanan sort of being wacky Gary, teasing that. And then all of a sudden, out of the sky comes, look, you were there. Yep. You looked up and a dragon flew over New Fantasyland. Yeah. Talk, I mean, talk about everything leaving my mind for, uh, for, for the two minutes flight, whatever that was. I was totally just focusing on the dragon the whole time going, there's a dragon. There's a dragon. We all kind of looked at it, you know, we didn't look at each other as it was happening, but it was over. We looked and we were like, and we said, uh, a, there were, uh, like a dragon just flew, <laughs> a, a fire-breathing a dragon fire. <laughs> that didn't just make a single pass. It turned and it cornered and it mm -hmm. sort of swept and its wings flapped and its tail moved. Look. The videos on YouTube do not. Right. It's not. That's not the experience. You know, the video captures light differently and all that. So it's a very different experience when when it was live. Fantastic. You saw nothing right. but that dragon. And and go to the Disney Parks blog or the Disney Parks channel on YouTube to watch their video of it um, because it captures as as best as can yeah. be captured. Um, With the, including their music and yeah, and the sound and effects. Sound effects. And look, whether that dragon flies over Fantasyland ever again, we don't know. Um, I think something like that, um, you know, I, I keep thinking about Avatar Land, not in terms of the film, but in terms of Pandora. This broad canvas of a world that, that you can have at night and yeah. those bioluminescent lights and a blue dragon or dragons flying overhead would be something spectacular mm. to see over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. So nice. uh, very exciting. We really enjoyed it. We could go on and probably when we're done recording, we will go on more <laughs> about the food uh, because there was a lot of it and a lot of really good food to be had and shared over and over again. I also want you guys to go and check out prettygoodmovieride.com. Glenn has done an amazing job of recreating not just all the incarnations of the film at the very end, but his own version of what he thinks is a pretty good, pretty good movie, movie ride. ride. And also Googlin, G-O-O-G-L-I-N, W-D-W, -W, explain it. 
we went through and did a Google Earth version of Soren, so we can do this right from your own uh, from your own computer screen. You are. Um, it, it was a brilliant idea. You clearly had a lot of free time on your hands, (laughs) but it's a neat way to sort of experience the attraction from home. And I'll certainly link to both of those in the show notes. Glenn, as you know, we'll be back over and over again, not just talking about the attractions, but probably a lot of of the food food. and live dining (laughs) reviews. We have a lot of work ahead of us with with New Fantasyland and Splitsville and everything else that's coming. So Glenn Whalen, appreciate you coming on, buddy. Awesome. I appreciate it, brother. Talk to you soon. Dragon. 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 Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I challenge you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or trivia, how well you pay attention to the details, or not just what you see, but maybe what you hear by identifying a quote or a line from a show or an attraction. Each week, one entry will be randomly drawn to win a Disney prize package, but before we get to this week's question, let's go back and review last week's and select our winner. So last week, with the anticipation of the opening of New Fantasyland, I thought about the new mountain range that really has dramatically changed the landscape in the Magic Kingdom with the addition of two new castles and the mountains by Prince Eric's castles and the beautiful waterfalls over by the Beast Castle in New Fantasyland. I thought a lot about the different mountain ranges there and each different mountain has character and story and depth and color and beauty to it and some even have their own names. So I asked you where in the world you could find Chickapin Hill. And again, hundreds of you got this one correctly and identified Chickapin Hill as the mountain in Splash Mountain in Frontierland. Congratulations and thanks to everybody who entered. You were playing for a chance to win all of my audio tours of the Magic Kingdom, a WDW Radio luggage tag button, and a couple of mystery Disney pins from New Fantasyland. And this week's winner was Michael Hoffman. So, Michael, congratulations. Please send me your address. I'll get your package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, I appreciate your playing, but don't worry because here's your next opportunity to enter this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, as you may have been able to tell from our recap, I love a storybook circus. I love the details. I love the story. I love the film, Dumbo. So, let's see how well you know the film and its connection to the storybook circus story. So the storks that fly through the snow and the sleet and the hail, through the blizzard, through the gate, through the wind and through the rain, over mountain, over plain, you know the story, get through and descend upon what U.S. state to deliver the circus animals, including Dumbo? That's your question for this week. Just tell us what U.S. state the storks deliver the circus animals and Dumbo to. You have until 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, December 16th, to email your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. You'll be playing again for all of my audio tours, a WDW Radio luggage tag, a button, and a set of Mickey ears with the new Fantasyland cover. So good luck and have fun.
that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Big thanks again to everybody who took the time to tune in to our live coverage of the new Fantasyland Test Track and Splitsville opening. I was able to broadcast everything from the dragon flying over to Fantasyland to the Test Track grand opening presentations, the opening of Splitsville, and lots more. Really appreciate everybody who took the time to tune in. If you missed it, don't worry, because every Wednesday night, I do a live video broadcast and same kind of interactive chat over at WDW Radio Live, starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, oftentimes from the parks, but it gives you a chance to be part and discuss this week's Walt Disney World news. There's lots of other ways to stay connected as well, too. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello and Facebook.com slash WDW Radio. I'd love to hear from you. So if you have a question you want answered on the show, you can email me at Lou at WDWRadio.com. Or if you want to be heard on the air, leave a comment about this week's show, New Fantasyland, anything we discussed, or even just say hello from the parks. You can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-9391. Be sure and also check out the website over at WDWRadio.com where you can comment on our show this week, New Fantasyland, Test Track, and Splitsville. You can also check out our multiple daily blog posts with contests, photo galleries, our free discussion forums, videos, and lots more. Also, be sure and sign up for our free email newsletter where you get exclusive content, contests, offers, deals, updates, information, opportunities, and more. You can find everything right on the homepage of WDWRadio.com. And while I love connecting with you on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and Pinterest, we also have lots of events coming up, not just in Walt Disney World, but around the country in 2013. You can visit the events page over at WDWRadio.com. There you'll find out more information about our next Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World, which is going to be Saturday, December 22nd in the Magic Kingdom, sort of our WDW Radio holiday party. That's going to start at 1 o'clock. Our first on-the-road event is going to be just a couple of weeks later. That's going to be Friday night, January 4th, in Las Vegas. I'm going to be out speaking at the New Media Expo. We'll get together on Friday night for a meal or dessert. The exact location and time still to be determined, but again, you can find it all over on the events page. There you'll also find information about our trip out to Aulani, the Walt Disney Family Museum, our next WDW Radio cruise on the Disney Fantasy next November, and lots more. Really hope to have a chance to meet you at one or more of those events. Big thanks again to my partners and sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel, is my official, my recommended travel provider because it's who I use, not just because of the discounts and the best possible prices, but Becky Mencken and her team give you the exceptional level of personal service that really is what sets them apart. You can visit them over at mousefantravel.com. When you're coming down to the parks, maybe you want to stay in something a little bit bigger, want to bring the whole tribe down with you, allstarvacationhomes.com has up to eight bedroom homes with multiple master bedrooms and game rooms great way to bring down the entire extended family and if you can't get down to walt disney world as often as you like and really you could never be in walt disney world too much celebrations magazine will bring you a little bit of disney magic to your doorstep or to your ipad you can subscribe and order back issues over at celebrationspress.com and finally my friends and you are my friends whether we have met yet or not all i ask is that if you like the show Please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links to your favorite blog posts or episodes on Facebook. And please come by, rate and review the show over on iTunes. Very, very much appreciated. And most importantly, I want to thank you again, not just for taking the time to listen this and every week and to watch and to tune in, but for allowing me to share my passion for Disney with you. And I hope that you get up every day, smile and do what you love. And remember, it's not about being the best 
It's about being better than you were yesterday. Get out there and follow your passion and always keep moving forward. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great week. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Tony from Illinois, also known as Backside of Water in the Box. And I just got done listening to show number 303 with uh, another top 10 plus segment with Tim Foster. And it's really fitting that show this week because over the weekend, uh, I was at my landlord's house and we like to play board games and they have this new game. I ended up winning the game and they were like, how could you argue your point so well? And I said, because I learned from the two masters of the go with me here, Lou Mangello and Tim Bananas Foster. So I just want to thank you so much for teaching me everything I know about making totally off-the-wall points sound plausible. So thank you for all you do. I can't wait to, for Wednesday to roll around and be in the box and watch the newscast. And hopefully I'll be able to come on WDW uh, Cruise 3.0 in November. Take care. You've got a friend.